Welcome to Guadalajara, the rich cultural center of Mexico, where a metropolitan cityscape flows with the amber liquid of tequila at its point of origin, birthed from the rolling hills of blue agave set outside the city. Listen to the ringing of the mariachi that was also born there, the marriage of various violins with trumpets and rhythmic instruments. Now listen to the Golden Globes acceptance speech of Guadalajara's own Guillermo del Toro. Since childhood I've been faithful to monsters. I have been saved and absolved by them because monsters, I believe, are patron saints of our blissful imperfection. Once upon a time in Guadalajara, a young man dreamt of monsters and then he won awards for making movies about them. Guillermo del Toro made magical real streams into fantastical realities. Like Mexico's finest tequilas, his works are earthy and have an outsized profile. Like the best mariachi songs, his films are fluid collaborations, telling stories about a time and a place. At the center of it all is the director's proud Mexican heritage. What can Guillermo del Toro tell us about our relationship to monsters, why we love them, and our cultural context for how we engage in these stories. Del Toro is a genre sweetheart. He is a director for genre literate cinephiles. Few have ever so gracefully created such a well-defined niche. Whether it be magical realism or an adaptation of a comic book, there is sure to be magic afoot in the worlds of Del Toro. The dark fairy tales of Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone are not radically dissimilar to the macabre world-building of Hellboy. There's little critical distance between Shape of Water's Amphibian Man and Abe Sapien from Hellboy. Each of Del Toro's films are in conversation, not only with each other, but with the history of monsters. Del Toro said, People say, I like your Spanish movies more than I like your English-language movies, because they are not as personal. And I go, fuck, you're wrong. Hellboy is as personal to me as Pan's Labyrinth. They're tonally different, but really, it is part of the same movie. You make one movie. Hitchcock did one movie all his life. One movie. Del Toro has made one movie all his life. He has made one movie that belongs to the same movies as Frankenstein and The Creature of the Black Lagoon, is one movie, like a universal horror picture through the lens of a very Spanish curiosity. Pacific Rim is Del Toro's most populous film. In a filmography of profound subtlety, it is nearer Neon Genesis Evangelion than Pan's Labyrinth. And yet, Del Toro has made one movie Pacific Rim is all of his thematic interests, writ large, blown up to scale. His monsters are finally as big as his love for them. For the purposes of this program, it works gangbusters. It fits our modus operandi and allows one of the great creators of monsters into our ranking of the kaiju big boys. The one movie does not change. Only the method of storytelling does. What Del Toro shows us is that we must love our monsters. He is a filmmaking prophet 
for all the things we overlook, the people we overlook, his monsters through fairy tale prose show us what else we have been missing. He made gods of monsters. His creatures tell us stories about faith. His films are moral tales. Del Toro said, There is a heavy Mexican Catholic streak in my movies and a huge Mexican sense of melodrama. Everything is overwrought, and there is a sense of acceptance of the fantastic in my films which is innately Mexican. So when people ask, how can you define the Mexicanness of your films? I go, how can I not? It's all that I am. There's only one movie. There's only one Guillermo del Toro. Happy Kaijun, everyone. It's Calvin back with Steven. And uh, this week we're discussing two big monster movies. Um, after my intro, we've uh, realized Guillermo del Toro has one movie. But um, there's also <laughs> two movies on this week's show. Yeah, it turns out J.J. Uh, Abrams produces one movie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very true. <laughs> yeah, and Guillermo del Toro uh, makes one movie. <laughs> Yeah. And we'll talk about the uh, strengths and weaknesses of that approach on both sides, because I have opinions. Firstly, I think we need to investigate what makes a good kaiju. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this off air, but we were just asked around this. And I think this is like thrown into sharp relief by these films, because we've started the source um, last episode with like, you know, the urtext of the kaiju film. Like Godzilla is not the first kaiju film, but it's where the genre is, is born from the codes and inventions. And here we've got two very different cultural takes on it. Though, I mean, as your intro covered, like Guillermo del Toro is innately a Mexican filmmaker and his films are imbued with Mexico. But Pacific Rim is a big Hollywood movie um, with concessions to American sensibilities. And Cloverfield is a small Hollywood movie. Um, but these are the Yanks um, taking on the Kaijus. And it's interesting. Yeah, they both have interesting layers and things to say about mm. uh, Kaiju. I think we'll find... Um some value in uh, how Cloverfield might do it differently, but also that um, Pacific Rim's big enthusiasm for the monsters is yes. really something connective and, and important to look at too. Yeah. And especially when, I mean, you'll find this out later when you watch more of um, the Japanese movies, but there are a few monster designs in Pacific Rim. are like, ah, oh, that's that monster from that oh, movie. Okay. Um, so knife head right at the beginning is just Guiron from the Gamera movies, oh. um, which is hardcore. Um, so I like that. I mean, that movie is full of those kind of touches of just like this person has watched other films that you have watched. And I like that. Um, you know, of everything we're going to go over, I'm most excited to see the Gameras. That seems like an <laughs> alternative that's very Calvin core in its potential. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I love those movies. Um, Semi-ironically, I don't know if the irony begins and ends. That, that's what so, I want. <laughs> these films, I think they lead to the conversation of what is a kaiju film? Because my issue with both these films, and I like one more than the other, um, and I'm sparingly fond of both, and I don't think Cloverhood is a good movie, but it's interesting, is I don't think either of them are particularly good kaiju films. Um, I, I may beg to differ about Pacific Rim. Um, I think the enthusiasm's there, and I think it's basically what I want out of a kaiju entertainment. But um, I guess I want to know what what would make it a good kaiju film, or what doesn't make it a good kaiju film for you. 
Um, for me, it's like I can see the film around the edges that's the much more interesting film to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the side plots that I wish were the main plots and the more um, traditionally Guillermo bits. It's the Charlie Day storyline that intercedes with the Ron Perlman storyline about getting to know the monsters and getting in their heads. And the way that Ron Perlman's room is designed is just so um, ornate, avant-garde, um, given the Toro set piece. And there's like that movie over there. And then there's the big mech movie. And I'm not as interested in the big mech movie. And I want to have a film that is more about the monsters and is less about the mechs and less about the people because the people aren't very interesting. I feel like you said before, like the kaiju, it, it's better when it's one specific monster and there's like a focus. Whereas yeah. uh, we were just talking about how it's pluralistic about what a kaiju is and um, yeah. it's very loose. And uh, every I love that it calls every uh, monster a kaiju that they're facing. But, but at the same time, it is pluralistic and it believes in like a a wider idea of kaiju just existent in the world, um, which which is fine with me, uh, but but it's not specific like uh, Godzilla is. A, well, yeah, I I, there's a later Godzilla movie that fits into that, which we'll get to a oh, lot really? later, Godzilla Final Wars, which I'm not a very big fan of, but for some people it's their favorite <laughs> in the franchise. And like part of that is because, I, I mean, you're a video game person, like yeah. the problem with Pacific Rim and Final Wars and me is they feel like boss rush modes. It's just like, here's just a gauntlet of enemy, 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 um, in a way that, these huge monsters just become fodder um, when I want the monster to be the, the spectacle to like, I, I guess to, to another video game analogy, I want like the Witcher game where it's about preparing to fight the beast, not just let's fight, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. By the way, uh, favorite Kaiju video game is King of the Monsters on Sega Genesis SNK game. I think <laughs> you know that one. I don't, I mean, I know of it, but I have not played it. It's fantastic because it it, you have throws and you could throw the monsters against mm-hmm. buildings. You could pick up tanks from the army and throw them at the monsters, uh, destroy bridges, but it's a fighting game. Uh, it's Which fun. just reminded me, we're going to have to watch Rampage at some point. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope that yeah. fits into our agenda. I think it definitely does because Rampage okay. is a kaiju game. So I presume the Rampage movie would be a, a kaiju movie. Yeah, absolutely. And The yeah. Rock is kind of a kaiju. I think so. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> uh, <should we> just... <laughs> when we get to the large human genre, you know, we've run out of films. Should we focus in on Pacific Rim first and uh, yeah. just kind of discuss its qualities? Uh, yes, there, of which there, there are many. Yeah, there are many qualities. I have a good time watching. I think I like the characters more than you because I I really feel something for them. I'm I'm weighing it like on a counterbalance against something from the era like Transformers. Mm. So, uh, I, I'm looking at like the degradation of the Transformers series and the yeah. Michael Bay-ness of it all and thinking about how uh, Del Toro brought something different for the time that's been reflected in um, the American Godzilla's sense, of course. And um, yeah. I think it's definitely reflected in like a, a move away from what was happening in big uh you know big mech movies ultimately i think it may be a better mech movie than it is a kaiju movie i i, I agree and i that's the problem with this like so much in this film which is just so much better than anything in its genre or yeah, of absolutely. its like ilk of a blockbuster i'm just like wow and the first 20 minutes i was just like this film is a blast i was way too hard before this is amazing it goes it goes it goes you've got that really snappy opening credit sequence um the music the whole way through is just astonishing like it's just swagger straight from the beginning you have this kind of like pairing idea at the beginning which i love where it has this montage of just like killing monsters killing monsters killing monsters and then it gets the title and then it's a montage of 
killing Max, killing Max, killing Max, killing Max. And just like that little parallelism at the beginning is just like, okay, movie, you've got me. And yeah, that like really victory cool. mirrored by defeat. And then you go into the XCOM bit of it's just them being like, let's keep the initiative going. And they're like, let's not keep the initiative going. And you've got this other great bit where they're like, we have to cut down the Kaiju Defense Force, whatever it's called. Um, it's got a name. I forget. Yeah. Um, the Earth Defense who, Force, essentially. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much. The, yeah. the EDF, the EDF. Say that carefully. Um, so... They, mirror, they have this wonderful moment where they're like, we have to stop this because people are dying. We're to build a wall instead, which is pretty funny. Yes, um, yeah. And they Very go to the American wall scene. Solution. I know, it's great. There's the wall <laughs> scene, which is the bit they've built because people are dying and it cuts to them going, all right, three people die building this wall. We're like, ah, interesting. I like yeah. what's going on here. So it builds up so much really cool stuff in that first act, being like, this is playing with some ideas, like very kind of like, you know, not big ideas, but fun ideas. Like the idea of being like, you know, you have to punch a kaiju, punch an answer, you have to take an offense, not mm -hmm. defense. And then the rest of the movie is just kind of like, it's kind of there. It's kind of what I like about Neon, Genesis Evangelion, at least aesthetically. Like the Jaegers mm. are very like a big anime aesthetic energy and they're really paying off Del Toro's, I think, enthusiasm. And I think it's a very boyish enthusiasm. And I don't think the movie goes very far past that, but if I look at it in that frame and context of a of a child going to a movie yeah. theater and having this enormous display of mechs and kaiju, I, yeah. I see so much appeal there. Um, and it doesn't pay off in the second movie. I think what you need is that genuine enthusiasm. I think there's a huge difference because by the second movie, it is closer to what someone would have made during those Transformers times. Um, yeah. Those dark times for society and movies. <laughs> And like with, with the mech stuff, I, I like the look of the mechs. Um, oh yeah, the, the mean, Jaegers are really fucking Yeah, cool. they look so, so, so cool. I, I mean, that whole drift idea is fascinating and it's such a cool thing. Like, I, I love the proper nouns in this movie. Every noun, every term is fantastic. Every like abbreviation, everything they have for something is just so, so cool. I love just the edges of this world. And then I'm not sure they put the best film in an amazing world. And I'm like, this world is so cool. The film in it is ultimately fine. Mm -hmm. um which is a shame for me but then you're right like there is no blockbuster like it at the time that has that thing and that is like a really cool thing to be built up with them with the jaeger stuff like i like it as a mech movie but i'd like if it was more like the mechs themselves as characters which yeah. are just the things they're in like more of like looking after your mech more of like um mech mechanic stuff more of like a culture around it yeah. Just, again, it doesn't quite dial into the things I wanted to dial into. But that's like high level criticism because the film's really good. <laughs> it doesn't quite even get into what like a Neon Jazz Seven Jillian does. It's not half as deep as like that human instrumentality and mm. what it means psychosexually and what it means about like our, our bodies represented. <laughs> and you know, Del Toro loves that stuff. You know, know. he's into yeah. that stuff. He could have really gone there, but I feel like then it wouldn't have been the movie for nine-year-olds. Mm. I think it, it is the perfect yeah. movie of. I think it's, you know, it's not Star Wars, but I feel like it is that uh, generational big movie that that I'm very fond of. I, I don't know many that are modern that uh, are so big and explosive that, that I actually have a good feeling about. So. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. And, like, it came at a time where there was not the Star Wars that was back yet, and that's, like, really important. Like, we now have gone through the whole Star Wars wave, and this is, like pre the big hit of marvel really yeah. like marvel was a cultural force at this point was not as gigantic as kaiju sized as it is now um so this really did fill a weird niche which i think is why it's got so much enduring cultural popularity that it wouldn't get if it was released today i know we're uh, covering every kaiju movie but if marvel makes one we're just gonna boycott one movie <laughs> <laughs> hey i don't i don't i, no, I don't we'll do mind it. a marvel movie there are some of them that i really like uh, but in general they're not for me
We'll definitely do it if they if they happen to make a kaiju movie for some reason. They bring Del Toro on for whatever reason. They're like, let's go. Hey, they're bringing Sam Raimi back, so I'll be. Um, maybe they'll get Del Toro one day. Anything's um, a possibility with them. The the things that I have to say about Pacific Rim, though, um, which would be um, remiss of me not to, of um, some of the rougher edges of the film that um, really sort of me. Actually, I'll start with the things that are really cool first because they're yeah. progressive and interesting bits. So I do like the enemy in the film are literally colonizers and they go out of their way to say they are colonists. <laughs> it's just straight up. The enemies are colonists. I like the Perfect. Frankenstein stuff because it links to Spirit of the Beehive, which is like, as Dottoro said, like it's the film that has the biggest influence on him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the gender politics in this movie are terrible. They are. Like, they're not, they're we, not developed. It's... Oh, we have this actually kind of cool female character, but she's the token female character. And she is defined by being hysterical or emotional or like overwrought and needs to be protected by men. And there's literally a scene where two men fight over the woman to protect her honor. And it's like, oh, Del Toro, you are better than this. And it's just one of those things where, you, where you're like, you're supporting your supporting cast is minority, but then just like the mm. most basic white person in the center. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's some character problems there for sure. Yeah. Charlie Hamlin is just not a good actor, um, no. which is a shame. It's just like a, as much personality as a plank, not, not kaiju <laughs> size. And I think you need someone really big size. I think like when yeah. Ron Perlman comes in and gives his delivery, it's like, that's what level everyone should be at here. Yeah, Charlie Day, Dude from Torchwood, and Ron Perlman are like delivering the exact kind of performances I want from this movie. Yeah. Um, and everyone else, I'm like, step up your game. Absolutely. Um, so, so what would you criticize? Uh, is, I'm sure there's more layers that you're just not that interested in here. So, um, the, the other thing that I really don't like, um, which I will talk around, is the, I don't know how this even got made, Jesus Christ, is the, the name of the main robot. I'm like, which I even got into a, a slight debate with someone online being like, it's just the name of a robot. I'm like, that word means a specific thing. And if it's used specifically, it is not a slur. If it's okay. used randomly for a, it's hard to talk around it. Um, it, it, it wants to evoke a kind of like carnival aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, which is insulting. Um, and that in this huge movie, they let the robot be called that. And the robot does not need to be called that is very, very strange to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we don't even have to say it, but no, <laughs> look it up uh, if you really want the info. It's like, really? Really? That's yeah. a cool robot? Um, and I don't know, I, I go back to the Sontag point where she makes about um, monster movie and sci-fi movies, that they have this kind of like weird dream of um, united warfare, that the world will come together for a UN army, which seems kind of idealistic, but is also kind of sinister to me, this idea of like humanity brought together by war for like a fetishistic military enterprise is yeah. weird and is kind of like cultural erasing and is like bridging over things and it's, it's, it's shorthand to a thing I don't like. Um, yeah. But I do like then that it's a multinational cast, that we have multinational robots and the robots look cool as hell. Um, I think possibly the movie is too expository as well. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of explaining and, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. and you know, like fake fake science, fake, fake technology and uh, just trying to explain it all. But then doing it through a framework of like, oh, nerds are funny because they're nerdy. And, you know, it's just a, it's it's of its time <laughs> in a way. Yeah, there is definitely that. Like the Chai Day character, I kind of love. But then also yeah. like, I'm like, where is the joke here, though? Like, yeah, yeah. What's is the, the joke, joke that he seems to be neurodivergent? Is that the gag? <laughs> is the gag that he's a nerd? Is that the gag? Or is he just very enthusiastic? And because the film keeps it very surface level. I'm like, there are a few things that are being denoted here that I am slightly uncomfortable with. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so despite all its entertainments, I think there are there are significant problems too with the Pacific Rim. But but it is a movie I'm very endeared toward because I, yeah. I do feel the passion and I, I respect the passion. I, I love Del Toro. So I'm very, yes, very likely to give him the benefit of the doubt on those things just because of every other movie he's made giving me that that context. Well, I was saying this to my partner, Emma, but isn't it great now we have two Oscar winning directors that have made kaiju films? <laughs> Who was who was the other one? Who, who Bong Joon Ho. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So it, that is that, fantastic. Which then leads to the question of like, what other Oscar winning director would you mm. like to make a kaiju film? Who would you have? Um, I want Catherine Bigelow. I think Catherine Bigelow would make an amazing kaiju movie. I think that's probably just about right. I I think so. Um, I've only really <laughs> um, paid attention to the Oscars the last few years, so I'm not like. I mean, a, you know, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen would make McQueen, an interesting yeah. kaiju film. Sure, I think that would be that would be interesting if it reflected yeah. back on on social issues like in Black America. I don't feel like we have a proper kaiju that's represented at, like African American experience. I think that could be messy too. But uh, yeah, which especially as there is one um, kaiju we'll get to later, which is definitely a metaphor for Black Americans okay. or Black there non-Americans. Um, we'll call him King Kong. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it'll be interesting to see different filmmakers take on that as an idea. Yeah, maybe if you back... give it to like, I don't, know, I don't want to say like give that one to Steve McQueen, but have him do an alternative <laughs> version that that actually means something, you know, positive and isn't like monstrous and yeah. representative in a negative way. I'm not saying pigeonhole the directors, but I'm yeah, also yeah, saying yeah. I would love a Steve McQueen um, King Kong movie. There was an a really good interview with Steve McQueen recently in Sight and Sound by the British um, Black British historian David Olasoga, who's a fantastic um, historian and media figure, um, where he talked about Small Axe, the series, and he talked about the idea of burden and like how that's a problem. Being like Steve McQueen is one of the few voices um, for like one of the few mainstream voices of Black British cinema, mm-hmm. and um, Steve McQueen's answer was being like, "I don't care, give me the burden, whatever. I love the burden." And yeah. Olasoga's response was, "I get that you don't care." But it upsets me to be like, we are one Steve McQueen away from not having this at all. This cannot be your burden. This needs to be spread out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it needs to be a large burden for cinema just to, to tackle as a whole. Um, I love Small Acts. Um, mm. Yeah, I love uh, Lover's Rock, especially. Yes. So That's uh, not a kaiju, is it? Um, <laughs> no, that is not a kaiju. Um, we do have another kaiju movie this week, however. We, uh, we do. How do you feel about Matt Reeves? I feel like he's a talented director that has a lot of untapped potential in most of his projects. Um, I don't know. What else has he done? I don't know. Uh, he's doing the new Batman here. Um, oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. Yeah, he's doing the Batman with uh, Robert Pattinson. I think he has uh, the potential to do something like that. I think he did a couple of the um, the Planet of the Apes, so I think he has a good uh, idea about mm. like how to create like creatures in movies and and let these uh, things talk for themselves. Um, what else has he really done? I think that's pretty much it. I think we covered basically what he's done there. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. He has done this. And I didn't know that it was the same guy behind the Planet of the Apes films. That's really interesting. Yeah, those Planet of the Apes films are, you know, pretty decent for what they were. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, God, he did a future shock film. Wow. He does have the potential, I think, to become someone really interesting. Maybe Batman will mm. show that. I think it starts to show itself early on in Cloverfield. Yeah. Um, so you'd seen Cloverfield before, yes. I saw it in the theater, and I don't 
remember if I ever saw it since, uh, but, but I remember the experience very vividly. I remember taking my dad there and uh, just like what it was, what it was like with the audience. Just, it, it was kind of buzzing afterward because I, I think it's the um, Blair Witch Project effect, which, uh, hmm. which was a nothing movie until it premiered at Sundance and suddenly it got a very small audience and then um, the word spread quickly. And the next showing was like lines out the door, like, all the way down the block at Park City. Um, the, it was like one of the biggest Sundance effects was at Blair Witch Project. It's like a festival yeah. success story of how these like found footage movies really connect to something um, socially and in our minds about like how we perceive our ourselves and how we record video. So uh, in some way, I think it's always an interesting commentary, but I don't like any of those found footage movies either. That was going to be my question because like, yeah, I agree with everything you're putting down about like the metaphorical kind of like potential of the genre. Um, I love The Blair Witch Project. I think that's a phenomenal film. You did? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, I love The Blair Witch Project. Fantastic. There's a podcast that I've got on it um, that I would recommend to listen mm-hmm. to to the audience. Um, the I've never seen an episode on Blair Witch Project because it's a terrific movie. Um, and then everything else in the genre, I am not a fan of at all, including Cloverfield. I love horror experimentation and how horror is like an open forum to kind of mess with the, mm. the format of movies, but nothing at all interests me about a found footage. Um, I'd prefer a directed movie that feels like a, that someone really competent's holding the camera and finding um, uh, just the right angle for every shot. Yeah. And I like, I like form and I like the function to, to meet itself there. I, I don't like the mess of uh I'd watch YouTube if I want to watch, you know, someone messing with the with a cheap camera. But like, why I like Blair Witch Project is why I don't like things about Cloverfield. Of I never want in a found footage. I mean, to be honest, I don't really want a found footage film. But I never want in that film to be asking why are you filming, why are you filming, why are you filming, and every minute of Cloverfield is like, why are you filming? And the great thing about Blair Witch Project is that what is not filmed is as interesting as what is filmed there are bits where the camera stops and it skips for a bit and you're like, I just missed a large moment of dialogue or an argument and it's really interesting. They didn't didn't want to show me that. Yeah. And this never commits that at all. It's just like, we're just keep the camera running the whole time. And you're like, all right, if you're getting the camera running the whole time, why aren't you pointing that camera straight at the monster? The reason you're right. not is because the script wants you to reveal the monster in the third act. So I'm like, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel built around its actual conceit in any satisfying way. I think what the one part that is satisfying for me is the beginning which i almost yes. wish were just a short movie i think the mm-hmm. idea of a guy running around a party and doing these interviews and the tension and you know the sexual tension between his his past love and and what's going on with it i like that he's going to japan too because that brings in yes. like the kaijunus of it it's like okay uh, uh, yeah going to japan but then uh japanese mythology comes to you instead yes that's cool. I, I do love that I have the exact same idea with like, I love the beginning of this. Um, my memory yeah. was, I like the beginning of this film and then I don't care about the rest of it. And I was like, That's... I wonder if I'll agree. And then it was like, yeah, no, I like the beginning of this film and the rest of it is ultimately fine to bad yeah. in places. I, it's fine to bad, I think. I think there's mm. nothing really engage, too engaging once you leave the party. I, I kind of lose all interest, which is sad because the monster hasn't even got there. Uh, it's sad that for a kaiju movie, I might rank this very low. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but yeah. I... Just because there's there's almost no kaiju interest, which is sad because I also like Clover as a kaiju. Yeah, I, I agree. Cute design. Um, I think he's adorable. I'd like him as like a stuffed pillow. Uh, I, yeah. I think he'd, yeah, I think he'd be like a good uh, little um, stuffed animal for my daughter. <laughs> I like that he jumps in at the end of movies. Look, that's yeah. a thing that he does now. <laughs> I, I watched. 
that third Cloverfield, and I had seen the second one previously, and I like that they just end with just like bam, Cloverfield monster. You're like, okay, um, hi, hi, That's I guess. Not really one we have to cover here, right? Like, I don't think it no, we don't because it's just like a clip, right? It's, yeah, as yeah, a punchline. I think I think Ten Cloverfield has the same problem in that these movies don't know how to end quite too well. Uh, I I feel like everything is good until they get out of the bunker, which is the same problem that the first movie has everything's yeah. great until you leave the party and the same problem that uh clover field paradox has among many problems <laughs> that once you land and once the monster's there it's over and that's in that one that might be one of the more interesting parts of it but uh i, I also like the release mechanism of that a lot and i'm i was very favorable to yeah. it because i think that's a good future for releasing movies but yeah, I, I'm so much more of a fan of Cloverfield as an idea of a franchise that it's this very much like meme construction of like that Cloverfield is more of an ARG than it is a film franchise. And I like that, the idea that any film could stealth be a Cloverfield film and that the marketing outside is more than the film than the film itself. And then every time I watch a Cloverfield film, I'm like, I, I don't I don't like these. and I, I wish they were better. Apart from the second one, which is good until it's a Cloverfield film. But, you know, that's by the by. What was that? Uh, there was the um, I think. Oh, it's a uh, Overlord, uh, the one that was going to be adapted in the the really? Cloverfield universe. You didn't know that? No, because um, I I did not see that film. Um, yeah, but I wanted to. Yeah, so it's a uh, J.J. Abrams, and it's just yeah. like a a cult like Nazi movie, but um, it was going to have tie-ins, and eventually, I think they kept distancing it after the paradox thing. I think it would have been such an interesting thing if paradox didn't happen. And that ended up being the third movie. I think we'd have a lot more to go off because I really like yeah. that movie for like its B moviness and and yeah, really it's fine. Stupid. Like it's, I didn't. Um, I told my wife we were going to a World War Two movie and we we went and saw that. She didn't know it was about Nazi zombies, and um, I don't think she talked on the way home. I think she was uh, upset with me vaguely. Yeah, I, I had a, a similar experience of why we didn't go see it. Of I was pitching it to my partner, and she was just like, "Aren't, aren't Nazis evil enough?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, I guess they are. I guess we don't need to have secret super soldier Nazi zombies. Fine. You know, I feel like she asked a question that no video game ever has, and they probably <laughs> should have. <laughs> if video games started asking these questions in the mid-90s, I feel like we would have saved ourselves a lot yeah. of trouble. Aren't Nazis bad enough? Yeah. Um, so Cloverfield. Um, here's my big issue of Cloverfield, is it took a punt at pretty much the coolest premise, and it's ruined it. And I want the film that Cloverfield isn't almost is, which is the kaiju film from the being attacked perspective. It's just like, what a million dollar idea. What it a brilliant is. idea for like, let's put it on the ground. Like one of the best bits of the film, weirdly, that doesn't quite work is in so many kaiju films, you have the bridge escape sequence of them being marched across the bridge. And seeing that from the human point of view is absolutely brilliant. Being is, on the street yeah. as the kaiju attacks is absolutely brilliant. I'm like, man, what an absolutely banger of an idea. How did you not pull this off? How is everything just like kind of air? Why did you find nothing interesting to do? Why don't any of your characters add to it? Why is there no like thematic underpinning? Why is there nothing interesting outside of one party scene that doesn't pay off anywhere else in the movie? I feel like all that context um, is, I think it would be more interesting if it were just filmed and not like a found yeah. footage thing. And I think it was handled, you know, a few years earlier by uh, Spielberg's War of the Worlds, which really put us inside mm. the human perspective of what that alien attack would have looked like and i think that more successfully handles like that bridge crossing or it, or it yes. handles uh, tom cruise running because that's what he does um it's it's we want to be with those characters and have them developed and 
I think that works more successfully from that perspective. And it's kind of where Cloverfield's probably cribbing that idea from. Yeah, because I, I love the idea of a genre invading another film. It's just such yeah. a smart idea of that this is a kind of like, almost like, I mean, it's not quite Whit Stillman because it, it, it's different to that, but this kind of kind of like cosmopolitan uh, New York drama that's suddenly just like hit by a disaster movie that happens to be a kaiju movie that like genre mesh in a kind of like almost audition kind of way, but like splinter yeah. throughout rather than a twist God, is I love really audition. cool. Yeah. Um, audition is, is the best movie. Um, I, I do wish it, I do wish it felt subversive in some way. Hmm. I, I wish it really went further. Um, maybe if it were more immediate and some characters we really cared about were like killed off right away or yeah. I, I wish maybe the threat of Clover felt bigger. I think yeah. part of the problem of uh, focusing it on that, that uh, survivor's journey is uh, you only get that one side of it. You, you're not going to get like the grand scope of what's happening apart from exposition. So it's, it's very difficult to establish the, yeah. the, the level of threat there. Yeah. That's a really good point actually, because you follow that actor who is a known abuser um, around um, and there's that sense of, he just feels very plot protected, which is kind of uninteresting. And you're right. Like Clover is this tertiary thing that, you know, is going to appear every now and then, but can't do too much damage. And also it's like, I, I like that it's a scrappy low budget movie, but then also it is a victim of its scrappy low budget. So there's so much you can do. There's also things in it that are really stupid. Like, you know, at the beginning when he's just like, I'm documenting everything I have to document and that's why he's doing it. And he's right. If found footage film needs to have the character saying, this is why I'm doing that. And then later he just films the news. I'm like, dude, that's being documented. That's the literal news. Yeah. You don't need to document the news. Like, yeah, someone filmed that, my man. <laughs> like, oh, but we know he's not a very good, uh, you know, he's not very good at filming either. He's, he doesn't, he kind of, gets this thrust upon him at the party um which makes me surprised that he continues filming yeah i feel like i feel like any minute something goes wrong he'd put the camera down that's you're you're right kevin i feel like every decision in this film i'm like that's the wrong decision this plot that's the decision this plot shouldn't make oh that's a bad decision apart from the statue of liberty head just appearing that's so cool that is really the best part of the kaijuness i think is that that feeling of a you want that icon when new york you know crumbles i mean you want the either like the Eiffel Tower, Statue of Liberty. There are these landmarks that you always have to have, and getting the head rolling on the street really good. What I kind of want, and I get this is becoming the video games that Stephen likes episode, <laughs> but what I kind of want is that arc that Half Life Two has of being like chased out of a city, of that sense that a city turns against you and you are on the run, and then maybe even like that last arc of Half Life Two when you're like taking something back, and that sense of being like the way that it can flip around. And this is why I'm annoyed about the film. This is why I don't like this film, Kevin. I'm just like, this film could have been the best movie. It's such a cool premise. And it's just like, you had a go at it and you ruined it. And if anyone else is to make it, they're like, oh, it's just it's like a clever film. I'm like, yeah. Well, I think video games keep coming up because the ideologies of these films are very yeah. video gamey because I think this is a video gamey episode. I know Del Toro has admitted he he takes a lot of inspiration as he gets older from video games. And, I mean, yeah, uh, he puts GLaDOS in Pacific Rim. That's what yeah, yeah. <laughs> just puts her in it. Yeah, we haven't mentioned GLaDOS literally in Pacific Rim as well. And there's a and a first person narrative will always seem video gamey. If someone's like holding mm. a camera and it's it's shaky cam and uh, you're following yeah. the actors, uh, there's always some layer there that uh, Cloverfield could have been a, a really good survival game in a way. Yeah, um, we're going to get to a film later, um, which I'm very excited for your take on, but it's going to be a very interesting one because of like the themes that it deals with. We'll get to that, of that uses this kind of idea of a metaphoric level of matching the human drama with the kaiju drama. And like oh, cool. someone will wreck a, um, this is not of the film, but let's say someone like 
goes on like a, a a rampage on like a personal level of like has a destructive outburst and then that's mirrored by a kaiju having a destructive outburst elsewhere in another city and i thought this one was doing that for an idea and everyone was that i was just wanting the film to be something because i love the idea that at the beginning this character is wrecking this party and getting on everyone's grill and i'm like ah he is there wrecking the party in the same way the kaiju is about to wreck the city and i wish this film was aware of any of that that you could mirror human drama with monster I- drama I just don't feel like Clover has that intentionality designed yeah. into him. I don't feel like he has a, I feel like even Godzilla seems to have an intentional design and connection to human humanity. And, and he seems disruptive in a very important symbolic way. I don't really know what Clover's intentionality is. Uh, I think a lot of it surrounds um, a lot of the hype around the movie <laughs> surrounded really good marketing and ARG yeah. content. I think yeah. people were scrubbing the internet and uh like our friend Jack, I know he he went through and really had a yes. personal journey with the internet with Cloverfield, which which I never had. I, I I looked at some wikis to get to this podcast. That's about it. But that's cool. Like films are larger than themselves, and I, and I do I yeah. always love that about Cloverfield, and I'm, I'm quite fascinated by it. But I feel like with Cloverfield, I think the most damn thing I can say about it is: Do you feel you could replace the monster with a meteor shower? Yeah, absolutely. It could have been yeah, it could have been <laughs> an end of the world movie quite easily. I think. And like that's just such a problem to me of being like this should be the really cool boots on the ground monster attack film to humanize the scale of an inhuman genre and it's just like a nothing disaster film. Yeah, I feel like we talked about like hiding the monster and how it's valuable not to show it all the time in the last podcast but yeah. I, I think it takes that the wrong way. <laughs> I think it I think it's not able to maintain our interests by not showing us the monster so we don't feel terror, we don't feel provocation because we don't have an intentional design of what the monster could possibly do because we're fixated on this group of survivors. We don't have any context that not showing the monster could actually provide us. So there's no fear. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an outstanding point because it makes me think of Alien of like Alien like you see the alien very infrequently at the beginning and every time you see it it is so specific so it's in a different form so you're learning what it can do and what it can do so every time you see it it's an instructive moment as mm-hmm. well as just a, a visual kind of like a scare moment and you're right the, every time we see Cloverfield I should be like oh that's a thing that it can do. Oh, it can do that. Oh, now I know more about it. And it should be this build of like exposition around the creature that you get to the end. You know its capabilities, you realize that it's a threat as opposed to, oh, it's there in the background. It's over there. Okay, hi, Clover. I'm over here. How's it going? I mean, the best thing it really did was interrupted this party that really needed to end anyway. <laughs> that party didn't have long legs. It would it would have ended badly, um, probably yeah. more disastrously if the monster didn't come for all involved. So. You're right though, but isn't that a cooler movie? Like, I think, as as we know, like I'm not a big fan of Lars von Trier. I won't say my catchphrase about him because I don't want to lose listeners. Um, but uh, like, I remember Lars von Trier talking about um, not in that interview, but talking about melancholia and him saying that he wanted to make a movie in which the end of the world was like an answering plot point. And you, you could swap this with melancholia, and it wouldn't matter that much. Right? Yeah, but, but I think I would like it if it was that movie. If it was a movie yeah. where a monster attacking New York was an inconvenience. That would be really cool. We'd be like, we've got stuff to sort out and this monster's getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, it would be funny if they kept going about some of their business too. Like they're so interrupted and their, their lives are so sidetracked by the monster that um, it kind of doesn't continue with the things it was doing right at the start. I mean, you, it kind of wraps them up in an expository way, but um, not, not in the same tone it was doing at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just, 
thinking about this film, Calvin, just disappoints me. Just because uh, there's so much it could be, right? Like I think yeah. it's I think it's an interesting film that it's not a total failure because it has promise yeah. on on several layers. Yeah. But then there's just a bit where they just walk around a sewer for a while and I'm like, why are we in a sewer? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just so you could get those those little monsters who who are interesting yeah. designs. They're very alien like and uh, yeah. I guess it's fine. A lot of this movie is like that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boo. <laughs> um, should we attach these films to where they fit on the kaiju pantheon? Then. Yeah. Um, should we get into our ranking? Yeah. Um, which is a very easy thing to <laughs> to say so far. So far, we've ranked all three kaiju films. There are three kaiju films, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst kaiju film of all time is Godzilla, comma King of the Monsters exclamation point there you go americanized for you um the second best kaiju movie of all time is cozilla the italian <laughs> re-edit of godzilla from 1977 and the greatest kaiju film of all time is 1954's godzilla so obviously godzilla is unassailable at the top and i don't think any of these are even are you sure? slightly oh are, um I think we, uh, I think we could probably move uh, Godzilla. No, we we have to keep it at the top. That's yeah, yeah. For now, I don't think it will be forever, um, but we'll see. Is this going to be my only bit on the podcast asking you every week if we could move Godzilla? <laughs> um, and then one time we talk about like the fourth Gamma movie. I'm like, yes, yes, we can, <laughs> and you'll regret it. Um, for me, Pacific Rim has got to be just the notch underneath Godzilla for now. Would you say that uh, it really does have kaiju aspects, though? Um, I mean, it obviously it has those kaiju in it, but it is more of a mech movie. Uh, does it still beat the Italian one out? Yeah, I mean, again, the Italian one, you cannot see the movie. Okay. So it being unwatchable, I think, makes it... Um, it's like, you know, Army of the Dead in that way of you can't watch this movie. So maybe there is a great kaiju movie in there somewhere. There is. It's called Godzilla. It's a remake of it. Right. Uh, but because you can't watch it, I would say it's it's not there. Okay. I didn't realize that it was really unwatchable. I thought it was like an artistic version of it. And it's... Okay. I, I, no, feel, it's good putting, I feel good putting Pacific Rim up. I think it'll be interesting as we get into some others because uh, I'll probably fight for Pacific Rim a few times. I feel like I don't really have to go to bat for it here because it's just yeah. going to early days, in. early days. Though I do feel like I'm going to continue to fight for Pacific Rim to be uh, probably higher than when we're looking at the American versions of Kaiju, Kaiju movies. I think I'm going to keep preferring Pacific Rim to a lot of them. Yeah, we'll see. Because in my mind, I'm not sure if I do or I'm not sure if I don't. So I guess we'll right. find out when we get that. That'll be exciting to me. Um, where do you want to put Cloverfield? I think Cloverfield's the problem movie here. Um, I think it's difficult for me because there's so little Clover, but I think Clover is an interesting construction of a monster. I think I, I think the franchise is kind of interesting. And I think is this the only time we could talk about the the franchise? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I did even watch Clover Paradox as I mentioned earlier to like check if it was like even kaiju adjacent, and like it really isn't. Like it's just yeah. a below b-movie science fiction film with one frame well a few frames of clover at the end well um, i we can't possibly put it below king of the monsters i feel like that's no. that would be a crime um no, I, think, I think i think it's a better film and a much more interesting film than king of the monsters i don't know with Godzilla. <laughs> i guess i have to almost defer to you on Godzilla versus cloverfield 
I think we have to go back to Godzilla isn't really a film. Okay. Like it's 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 just kind of a thing, um, and it's a fascinating thing. But I think there is even with my dissatisfaction with Cloverfield, my dissatisfaction comes from bits of it are cool and bits of it are cool in a kaiju way. Um, so I'm happy with it being for now at a decent place before we watch more movies. Well, would you say? I guess we have to have a small discussion at least, even though the results seem somewhat obvious. Uh, what would you think Pacific Rim versus Cloverfield? Is it is it very obvious that a Pacific Rim is better as a kaiju than Cloverfield is? That's a really good question, actually. Um, like again, that's the thing is like if Cloverfield was a bit better at using its monster, I think yeah. it would be a worse film, but a better kaiju film. Um, but because it doesn't even use its monster that well, yes, it is more of a kaiju film, but it's not good at being that. So the kaiju moments of Pacific Rim, though they are not what I'd like them to be, there is like that moment in the street with um, our female leader's young girl is a great kaiju moment. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'd like more of that. The moment where the monster wakes up and eats Ron Perlman is a great kaiju moment. There <laughs> are is. there are three or four or five really good. I mean, even at the very beginning, when the Guiron Knifehead monster stabs through that mech suit that you know is like the best mech suit in the world great kaiju moment so i think those moments are enough to put it in the kaiju canon the fights are really good too I, they're I think really they're, good i think the only problem with the fights maybe they're framed too close up which is a 2000s action problem that's very common very yeah. close-up shots fast cuts uh, but but better than most here so so I, I also I think with the good. fights they didn't all need to be just standing in water punching <laughs> each other like yeah. i could have done with two of those rough than 12 of those yeah yeah, absolutely. I, a little bit more uh, diversity in the in where they're filmed and, and how they're filmed. But uh, but overall, as CG things go, I think it's uh, pretty impressive. I was amazed uh, how well the CG holds up. That movie still yeah. looks really good in the destruction. And there's lots and lots of little like Guillermoisms. I love the bit when the fists punch through that building and it knocks the Newton's cradle and it just slightly goes. Ding, ding, ding. It's like yeah, a little bit of visual humor. I love it. I feel like uh, we'll have very interesting, as of next week, I think we're going to have some very interesting conversations about Pacific Rim and Cloverfield because uh, uh, what are we doing next week? We have a Gamera and... Uh, yeah, we're going to go for, because next week my pitch, well, the week after next, my pitch is yeah, yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you follow Godzilla? Because Godzilla was obviously a, a landmark film and was hugely successful. Right. So the studio went, all right, let's rush a sequel. So they did. And the sequel is... Raids Not again. much beloved. So we're going to watch Godzilla Raids again. Different director. Um, Honda would then come back afterwards. It's it's like, a you know, like Bond movies, they're like, we got rid of Sean Connery. Oh, crap, no one likes that. <laughs> we're bringing back Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that kind of idea. Um, and Gamera is obviously came out quite a bit later. And it's, it is a parallel to what Godzilla was later. But mm. it's just so nakedly a film about, you know, Godzilla's popular. I'm we just make so excited movie. about that. That, that sounds... It's like what I like about Westerns. I like these Italian Westerns that are ironic and uh, I like an alternative. Yeah. I like alternative to very popular symbols. Like I, I was never a Power Rangers kid growing up. I was a, I was a VR trooper. You know, I, I started my life as a hipster. I'm going to end it that way. Yeah, no, I, I and you know, as, as someone that is a long time camera fan now at this point, always probably my boy Gamera. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to get my spinny turtle friend. As of now, I, I guess we can lock in our ratings. Are you ready to yeah. do that? Um, yeah. We have number one, Godzilla, uh, two, Pacific Rim, three, Cloverfield, four, Godzilla, and five, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, exclamation point. Yeah. And that's all five kaiju movies. 
yeah, that's that's all five that uh, exist within our universe of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's up until this point, the only ones that have been made. Um, and we'll get in our time-traveling kaiju machine and we'll find more films. We'll, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, you'll yeah. present the essay next time. We have uh, Gamera and yeah. Raids again. Yeah, which, which again, is going to be a very interesting conversation. Different films, yeah. um, both kind of crap, but both kind of great at the same time. I can't um, wait. Yeah. Um, we'll see. You know what? Before we leave, Calvin, I just want to say that I feel the two of us in this podcast, I feel we're drift compatible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I don't really know what that means, even though I've watched a whole movie about it, but I feel that we are. Um, we like to end things around here in the way that um, Ashira Honda used to write uh, the proverbs of um, China, um, Chinese proverbs on his scripts um, because of his relationship with China because of the end of the um, Second World War. Um, and there's one proverb that um, stuck with him and has stuck with me as well. And it's a, a nice bit of advice and a good way to end it. So in the words of Ashira Honda and the words of this Chinese proverb, read good books, say kind words, do good deeds, be a good person. And Matra theme. Perfect. <laughs> and be Matra. <laughs> and be Matra. <laughs>